Okay, guys, happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcome Become podcast. With me, as always, is my co-host, Humberto Cockman. And please, if you talk to him this week, if you send him a meme, wish him a happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, how's it going, bro? Going good, man. It's going good. How about you? How's things? How is life? Have you been getting outside for walks? I'm not a walk person. I hate walks. What else do you hate? Anything that has to do with cardio. And calf training. Okay, okay, calf training. I still do it, though. Gotta, gotta do it. Yeah. That's interesting, actually. Even do calf training. I wasn't expecting that. No, the only reason why I asked you about the walks is because I know that uh, your wife has been going outside two, three times a day. So I was assuming that you would join her. Um, yeah, about that. It's, it's sunny. Plus 30. You know what? I think it's mostly because where I come from, we have nothing but sunny and beautiful and warm and hot days so when i get one here i'm like me it's it's nothing too special to me i actually believe it or not moved to canada that was not the main reason but one of the reasons is because i despise too hot too warm and when i where i come from cancun mexico that's exactly what it is you go there during august it's no matter where you go, it's a sauna. It's just so humid that everything you do, you're going to doing. You're, you're going to be doing it sweating. So actually, I prefer the cold. It's funny that you say that. Have you ever been to Florida before? Not to Florida, just California. Let me explain. I've been to Florida a couple times, uh, Tampa, Orlando, Miami. And I went there in January when it's supposed to be the nicest. Okay. When I was there and I got off the plane... I immediately had to take like, you know, my sweater off, everything changed into a, like a, like a stringer almost because I felt like I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, I mean, you, you think you'd be used to it. Even with the air conditioning on, the walls are sweating. You go outside just for a walk. You come back. You feel like you got to rip your shirt off you because it's like stuck to you. That's how humid it is. And this is in January. This isn't even summer. It's that fucking hot. I know. It's uh, something like that, actually. And I've, I've actually done competitions uh, back home in August and the tan, keeping your tan and just basically be able to keep that, you know, the tan that you're applying intact. It's nearly impossible. You start to sweat and everything starts to just drip. You start to melt away and it's a very uncomfortable feeling. It's just, actually I've had to previously when when I've competed at home, I would have, I would start my prep here and then, I would have to adjust so many things when I go to Cancun because of the heat, uh, whether it was increasing the food or decreasing the cardio or both, because that heat made me just lose so much weight that I had to adjust accordingly because that is such a thing. I mean, if you ever go from here to, let's say, do a show where it's really warm, that's one of the things I think you have to definitely keep into consideration. You have to uh, get used to the climate there, to the environment. Uh, so I would say that the longer prior you're able to to go to this place where the show is going to be, the better. So there's no surprises when it comes to how you adjust to it, right? No, no, for sure, for sure. I wonder what that's like. Like you look down after you finish your round of comparisons and it's just like an orange puddle basically at your feet. Yeah, yeah that's exactly how it can get. Like everything just starts, it's just dark. It's, it's you know, depending on what kind of what tan you apply or whatever, what kind of product, but 
yeah, like you start to melt from the stage, you come off stage and there's barely anything left. Everything is just already melted. So, it's a mess. So what happens pretty much if like you've like sweated off your tan and then you have to go back for finals? Do you get like retouched up or do they just like fuck it and just go back on? Uh, I'm sorry, finals? The way they do it is like just one show, it's in and out. There's no such thing, right? Like those shows over there up until now, right? So you technically don't have to worry about that, which is a good thing. I, I, they may do the finals and and prejudging or whatever at the national level shows, but I, I never did a national level show uh, back at home, uh, only just like regionals or provincial championships type of things. Okay, that's true. Hey, I actually had a question. I saw I saw that uh, our friends over at Ammo became a gold sponsor for the VDC. That was pretty mm-hmm. sweet to see. Did you did you talk to them or did Ryan just do it on his own? Uh, well, we, we've been talking actually. Um, I've been talking to Ray uh, for over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I wanted to get him on board for the Cancun show, and we're currently working on that. But in the process, of course, my business partner Ryan Mallow uh, came up, and then his show became of interest uh, for Ray as well. So I put him in touch, and uh, and they made it work. So uh, yeah, very excited about that. I, I mean, I've only known Ray for a short period of time, but I really like the guy. He seems like a very serious business person that just really is all about uh, giving to the athletes and very into the sport, very passionate about uh, the fitness industry. So it's always good to know people with these uh, traits. For sure. Um, and a really quick, for those of you that don't know, Ray is the owner of Ammunition Nutraceuticals. They've been around for about three years. I think only three years now. And it's actually, they've expanded their products almost to all of Canada. So it's it's seeing people that are like-minded that are trying to be you know very successful entrepreneurs that are making moves that are very you know i wouldn't like i don't want to say inspiring but it's great to see you know it's great to see people that are actually about the community trying to get back to it so yeah and that's kind of what i want that's what i wanted to 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 kind of do too like he he's starting to grow in canada so i'm like hey there's here's an opportunity if you in the future are planning uh, on expanding to Latin America, this is a way you can do so. Uh, you know, the athletes win, he gets some exposure there and hopefully something good will come up, come out out of that uh, for his for his company. Maybe once up on the store, we want to carry his product and then boom, you already enter the market and you're slowly establishing yourself in this uh, Mexican market as well. So, you know, the biggest issue with anyone right now, whether it was like Ray and Ammunition or whoever, if you're a new company, COVID is literally screwing you so hard to try and expand right now. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit because we have a lot to discuss and I'm very excited about the New York Pro. Can you guess why I'm so excited about the New York Pro? Because of who won and because of one of the topics that we... Because Nick Walker (laughs) won and I called the fucking top three. Bang on. That's why. Everyone's like, Uh, oh man, Justin, Justin. I'm like, yeah, watch. Well, Justin had won the Indy Pro the previous week, and he looked really good. Um, I don't, I don't think even if uh, I'll have to take a look back and see in which show Justin looked better. But I, I think even if he looked improved from the Indy, the level of muscularity that Nick was able to bring to this show was just—it was in that regard, it was a clear winner. It was like everyone else looked great, but then there was Nick that really stood out. Uh, the one and only criticism, and I'm sure he's heard this before, would be the midsection is a little bit too large. If he was able to somehow make it look smaller, it would definitely, I think, accentuate and make the rest of the physique look that much better. And I'm all, I'm nitpicking here just because obviously the next show he's going to be doing is the Olympia. And at that level, you have the best of the best of the world yes. and everyone's on their game, right? So 
you know, this is where everything needs to be in harmony in order for you to potentially do well at, at such a show, such a prestigious and high level show. So I can't wait to watch that one. No, the argument could have been made, but yes, the, the thing is, it's so subjective, right? It's so subjective. Um, you look at guys like judges like Steve Weinberger, for example, and he's all about, you know, the New York boys, right? Kind of like when John DeLaRose was on our podcast, he was talking about how New York pro is literally like it, the Olympia is here. New York is right there because it's so important to the Hispanic bodybuilders, right? You could see when I watched the pay-per-view, at least what I caught, Justin looked very upset that he didn't win. And he looked amazing. He really did. Like, if you talk about width and size in general, he looks a lot wider than Nick from the back, for sure. But then you look at, like, the actual detail, finer details, and you compare the two back doubles, for example, that one pose, I don't even think it was close. Yeah, the back double bicep was definitely, I think, where Nick took, took the advantage. Uh, quarter turns, I think that's definitely justice because of the waist size, but everything else... I mean, the front double bicep, sure, uh, Justin had a smaller waist, but in my eyes, everything in, on Nick was just so impressive that you could, like, yeah, you would notice a midsection that is not as small as it could be, but everything else was just so impressive that it just, it's still bodybuilding, right? Like, you do want a small waist in every single uh, division, but in bodybuilding, this is where the size, as long as everything else has balance, is going to have that much more of an impact. And when it comes to Justin, like, when I, the way I see it and how I, I think of it and his reaction and whatnot, because you can tell he was just so not impressed when he, so his angry, name yeah. uh, was called uh, second place. But he was still professional about it. And, you know, he was very, he still hit the poses, smiled, clapped, whatever, congratulated the, the winner. So that tells a lot about his character. But uh, from him, for him winning the previous week, obviously you're at an all-time high. A second place is going to feel like, you know, it's going to feel like a, like a loss because had he got, gotten like third and then he goes to second, you feel amazing, even if you wanted to win, right? So it's it's relative because you're that's the standard that, that he set for this show from a pretty show, meaning he won it. Obviously, you want to win such a prestigious show as the New York Pro have that ring and, and just the bragging rights. And then he comes close and, and, and a rookie ends up, uh, you know, taking, taking the win. So it's, you know, I, I understand, I get it, but I also, uh, I really appreciated how he was able to, you know, carry himself professionally, uh, even though he was hard, obviously at the beginning to, to, to seem like he was okay with it. Then he, you know, uh, regained his composure and then acted professionally. So that's very good. Perhaps this is one of those moments for a hard pill to swallow. Hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Just because you've been in the game for 10 plus years doesn't mean you're not going to lose to a rookie. And that's, there's, there's so much to say about that. Even when, you know, you hear a bodybuilder say or, or, or back something that they say up with, I've been in the game for this long. Being in the game or, being, or having done something for 10 years, 15 years doesn't necessarily mean that your knowledge or your level is positively correlated with that amount of time. There's guys that maximize their efficiency and how much they learn and how much they progress within a year or two, whereas there's guys that their progress is a little bit more slow, right? So time in this regard has nothing to do with anything, right? It's, it's in, in a general scope, yes, you would think that that would equate to, to looking better or winning more shows or whatever, but that's not the case as, 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 we, as we saw last weekend, right? That's literally exactly it. 
and the same could be said for so many different divisions, not just, you know, men's bodybuilding, but even, and I'll make it brief. Look at all the guys right now who are winning all the men's physique shows. They were guys who were in the second call out, third call out last year. Mm -hmm. You don't even see the guys who were top five at the Olympia last year placing right now in the, in the first mm -hmm. call out. And if you do, it's like fourth, fifth, and these are former mm -hmm. Mr. Olympias. It has to do, I believe, with the evolution of each category. Right now, let's say bikini, for example, right? When Isa Bikini was the uh, Miss Olympia, they were going for that alien small waist to th uh, wider looking lats, more, more of a pronunciated or accentuated um, X-frame. And then this last year, you had Janet Laird become the Miss Olympia. So that basically... Uh, that, that changed the criteria. So now the alien waist with like really wide lats is not really in this year because the criteria has evolved and it has changed slightly. With the introduction of wellness, then it, it forces the other categories to be assessed to see. So, so there's not as much similarity between, between one category and the other, right? So it's same with men's physique. Like as, as we get, uh, you know, the classic physique division evolve and, you know, it slowly requiring or, or accepting more muscle development, then maybe that, that, that has an impact with the men's physique look that they're going for. So, you know, some years you'll, you'll have the guy that is bigger win in, show, in some shows or even the Olympia. And then the next year it might change a little bit. So that's the judges making a statement as to what is the standard, what everyone should be looking or going for. But it's the big, the best part about that is it's constantly changing. It's not just the same, and I don't say this in a negative way. I try, or I'm trying not to, but it's not just the same thing beaten to death year after year after year after year. Like it's constantly like, oh no, let's let's get a smaller waist. You know, if, if, with men's physique, for example, it's not just the wide back. Well, now it's the wide back with you know some more chest development and bigger biceps and whatever, right? Because well, there's no legs to show off. So yeah, cool. <laughs> you had to. You just had to. I had to. I had to. Uh, well, I mean, yes, I agree and disagree at the same time because it gets, it keeps it exciting to not be the exact same thing every year, but it also makes it a little bit frustrating and confusing to some people to kind of be chasing a specific criteria because you're like, well, last year was this, now you're saying that's not the case anymore, not, not even a year after, like make up your mind, right? So it's, it's I can that's see both fair. sides. You know what I mean? Like, and, and we yeah. see this with, with the posing mostly in certain categories like bikini, for example, right? You know, you you see a, a certain Olympia post and look a certain way. So you're like, well, this is what they're saying, right? And then, then you find out that you've been practicing that way. You modify your posing. And then the next year they're told that, no, that, that's completely wrong this year because this is not in this year. So it, it makes it like, okay, this is where having a posing instructor that know, knows what they're doing. I mean, you can do it on your own. You can, you can practice on your own if you want. If you have enough experience to kind of just guide yourself through posing, all the power to you, that's great. But then not everyone has that. And, and, and it could be, be, become very confusing, especially as a newbie, as a rookie competitor. How, how the hell should I pose? Why did that girl place higher? Was it the posing? Was it the physique? Like all these things are things that your coach and posing instructor can guide you through and make it a little bit more clear for you to realize and understand what is the criteria and what you should be training and posing for. No, fair enough, man. And with that being said, let's touch on the last two categories there. Uh, by the way, the wellness girl, I thought looked absolutely amazing. Yarishna, uh, la reina. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Like I can roll my R's, but <laughs> no. 
Yes, she looked great. Uh, no, I want to talk about the uh, men's 212 and classic physique winner. Uh, I thought Nathan Epler, man, like, you know, his proportions and everything, his ratios look pretty good. And again, like people might say, who are you to talk on this? But he didn't look super conditioned. He did it? No, like not in his midsection. Well, not compared to John. Fair. I mean, I think John, I'm, yeah, I was, you're right. You're right. You put I was biased. No cool. one, everyone looks fat next to John. Um, yeah. I, I was biased. Um, I think watching that because I, I I'm a fan of John, right? And, and and I just I'm just a fan of the conditioning and the level of suffering that one one has to go through to achieve that. But it's not just the suffering; it's also the knowledge and it's what what he does and how he does things. Uh, obviously, because you could you could just suffer your way through a prep and then you end up losing a bunch of muscles. So you'll never really see that detail in the lines if you continue to lose most muscle through your prep. So it's very important to know exactly what to do, when to do, when is good to push very hard when it's good to kind of make maybe scale it back those are things that he that he always talks about in his posts and uh, he seems very knowledgeable and and yeah that conditioning and you can even see like freaking skin in his cheeks like he was just so conditioned that there was literally nothing left body fight wise uh so going into it i i wanted him to win but the other guy his his structured genetics uh, looked a little bit more aesthetically pleasing and of course it's really hard to really really know and tell unless you are there present and watching the show live right so um yeah yeah it was a good show i mean uh then going back going going to uh going back to classic um that rookie the guy that took second place his conditioning was really impressive as well i thought some of the posing was weird for classic like it didn't seem like i don't know maybe i'm being very biased just because we're used to seeing certain levels of posing from other pro athletes yeah. but i guess you know from one classic physique to another um i just I, I see i see it and i was like wow i'm like some of those are very questionable like ah, like it just seemed like some of them had two left feet <laughs> yeah um i think when it comes to classic physique any any class really but especially classic physique because that is the bodybuilding style of posing um knowing exactly how to move and how to present that physique in in a very confident and non-awkward way goes a long way uh danny um uh, he's got his own trademark poses he's got the kind of like the the hand open on, on that classic pose that he does um and, and in his routine he does this like floor poses that he, they're very characteristic of him um he, i think he's a, he's a good poser overall i can't remember the posing of the other guy I, I don't i actually didn't watch the live video of it i just looked the picture so i i'm not exactly sure as to what the the posing was exactly of the other guy but you saw it so it seemed like yeah it was it was um transitions were weird yeah the transitions just seemed kind of weird I don't know. It threw me off. Like, I, maybe I'm nitpicking way too hard. I, w- I guess I was just expecting more from that division specifically. Well, I think for, for that division and that specific show, too, because it's such yes. a prestigious yeah. show. So, because if it was the whatever pro show, then you're like, okay, you know, these are the these are the shows that strategically the rookies and the people that are not really that high level within the pro ranks are going to pick to kind of just get their feet wet or just get maybe some points, get get their name out there, get known slowly. But the New York pro, it's it's still a, a little bit of an interesting situation because it's still of COVID, still, you know, that's still present, still a reality. That's you know, there's travel restrictions for international athletes, so you'll mostly have American athletes being able to attend these shows uh, um, but I think uh, hopefully closer to the Olympia towards the end of the year we're going to start to see more and more competitors more competition higher level and uh, I don't know I feel I don't know if I'm being overly positive but I'm starting to feel the, uh, to see the light at the end of a tunnel for um, sure um, there's more states that are actually well I mean 
we're talking about the US, not Canada, right? But there's more places right now that like are slowly like announcing the end of masks and whatever. So yeah. fingers crossed, you know, we get there soon too. I hope. Yeah. All right. So that was our New York Pro recap there. For a prestigious show like that, I thought it was pretty good. Mine's classic physique. Nate Epler looked amazing for 212. But John Jewett, in my opinion, kind of like yours, I think he stole the show with the conditioning. Uh, Nick Walker, clear winner. Too much muscle to contend with. I can't pronounce the one wellness girl's name, so I'm not going to try, but Kurt Boots looked amazing. Yeah, and- say with me. Say, say with me. Ja-rishna. Ja-rishna? There you go. That's not, that's not that hard. Fucking nightmare. Anyways, uh, okay. With the fact being that your birthday is on mm-hmm. Thursday, what is your thoughts with birthdays during prep? Your subjective opinion, not the generalized state. See, the thing is, over the last... Oh, man. I'm going to say since... 2010 since 2010 with the exception of 2014 which was a year the, the one year that i didn't compete i haven't really celebrated my birthday i i've always been in prep because most of the shows that i've done either are at, my birthday is at the start of my prep when i've already started it um or somewhere in the middle or closer to the end the point is i don't go out have drinks and have cake and whatever i want to eat because i'm prepping i personally don't care for it um, this is my view and the way I approach the situation and you don't have to agree or, 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 or do the same, but the way I see it is, okay, so it's your birthday. I don't, I don't see the, I don't understand why you should feel the need to celebrate it. If it's going to potentially throw you off your game and throw the plan and the structure that you have off a little bit. Right. So it's, you know, you turn the next year and, you know, bravo, you continue to exist. Bravo. You didn't die. Like, is, is that something that to me, go, you know, go ahead and celebrate that. It's, it's, I'd rather celebrate something that I created with my own hands and my own effort and my own, rather than just something that it's just, you know, another year. That's cool. And, you know, I, I do, I do appreciate the, 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 the concept of, you know, be grateful for another year for your health and whatnot, but I'd rather celebrate a win or, or, or some success or something that required a little bit more effort than just not dying. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think birthdays are just a day to reminisce. Like I, I personally didn't celebrate almost any of mine, like in my early twenties, really. It's like from 19 to like 25 or 26, like I didn't really celebrate any of them. Uh, some for certain reasons and others because like it just I eventually got to the point where kind of like yourself and like it's another day like who cares but now it's not about celebrating it but it's about just kind of thinking back and like okay was the last year good did I accomplish in last year whatever you can take it as a day of reflection and if not it's just another fucking day I'd much rather yeah. celebrate after like you know for example a promotion at work you know a good job at a show or whatever something some type of achievement is much more important than a birthday I guess what I really mean is in the sense of you know you're in prep it's your birthday and then you know let's say it's a client's birthday and the client's like well it's my birthday you know um, and we're two weeks out oh, well you know happy birthday well, my family is wanting to throw me a party or my family is, that's where, you know, it's, it's almost like an individual, individual decision. And I think we touched on this subject with John. Yeah, he was very he's, open about it, actually. Yeah, he's very he's, open about it. He got a very, very good insight on it. It's the decision of the person. If you, what is going to make you feel better in the end, I think. Mind you, in my opinion, you don't have to eat 
physical have cake in your mouth or pizza or burgers or whatever birthday food or alcohol in order for you to celebrate. I think that is the the main thing to take from here because I am all for every single like especially over the last five years, every single time it's my birthday, it's a great opportunity to reflect on the previous year and to really think about what you have, where you want to be headed for the next year, what are your goals? you know, appreciate your health and be grateful for everything that you have. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not trying to be all negative. Be like, ah, fuck your birthday and just don't celebrate it. It's, you, should, you should be like another day. Not necessarily in that sense. Absolutely not. But what I mean is if I'm prepping and it's my birthday, the way I celebrate it personally is by having an outstanding training session that day and just having a memorable session. And that normally equates to me being very close to fainting or throwing up. That's how I, that makes me feel alive. That makes me really, there's something about it that is just so exhilarating to me. And that's, you know, it's a special uh, workout. It's my, it's my birthday workout type of thing. That's how I celebrate it. Other than that, I try to be a 10 out of 10 just as in any other day. Going into the next topic, um, since we always try to do, you know, majority of bodybuilding, like a little life lesson. Umberto, let's talk about when it's time to let go of something toxic. Oh, boy. Uh, always. <laughs> that's, that's the right time. When you think about it, when you start to wonder, should I let go of this? Then Yeah. You should probably go that shit. And this applies to your own thinking. This applies to terrible partners in a relationship. It's There's so many instances in which this can be applicable. But see, I have a theory. My theory is that a lot of people deep down for a reason, they enjoy the feeling that they get from, for example... What, we, what you would call a toxic uh, relationship or ex-boyfriend or toxic current partner or whatever. Because I believe that in a certain way, especially if their lives don't have that much going on, it makes them feel alive. That is where they feel. Even if it's a negative feeling, that is where they feel and when they feel the most. They feel feelings that, in a sense, make them feel alive. And it is very similar to a gambler. Uh, you know, they, I don't believe that they, they prefer, even though they may realize it or not, the feeling of losing. It's a stronger feeling than actually winning when they, because they win it, they win, they continue doing it because they're chasing what they feel. They're chasing the high. The, the, high, and the high in this case is that, that risk of losing. And when they, when they actually feel it, they want to continue doing it because it's, it's, you know, it's financially responsible and financially hurtful, but it's what they feel that makes them be attached to it constantly over and over. And it's similar to the relationship part, right? Like it's, it's, there is something about that feeling that you, it makes you cry and feel depressed and makes you feel nothing but bad. But at the and same time, you out, you why are out, you, all of a sudden it's like a, it's like the high, you know, when you get, when you, get past whatever it was you work it out again you have the toxic sex which is what majority of people actually crave from that mentally abusive or let's just call it a toxic relationship in general right uh -huh. i and, and this is just me thinking or, or wondering what we feel like and this is my own theory because i may have had my fair share of that but honestly in, in hindsight nothing really as intense or aggressive as some of the stories i've heard i've i personally very young, luckily realized 
I learn from every single relationship and I establish what their red flags are. And I, and I, ha- and I have them in my brain so put in place that every single time anything comes close to it or, or manifests itself uh, that is close to that red flag or that is actually that red flag, that's it. It's going to be in quite often very hard to move away from it because you know maybe the physical aspect is so strong that you it's going to be almost like a shame to lose that but you have to think i've always based a lot of my decisions on the thought that life is truly very short so the longer you are living a shitty life when you realize that you don't have that many more years ahead of you it could potentially be too late and and you have to really sit and, and, and establish very clearly what your vision is of what the life that you want for yourself. And if you do that, I think it's going to be very clear to you that something along those lines of a toxic relationship or someone that doesn't appreciate you or brings down, even if a part of you almost enjoys it, once you realize what really is happening and how that is not aligned with your vision of the life that you want, it will make it a little bit easier, I think, to make the decision. And sometimes, uh, it is true. Like a lot of these decisions that you've made up, up to, to that point, if you're in that situation are based on emotion and it is very hard, but the smart thing to, to do is to make these decisions based on reason and logic. And, and it's going to be hard. It's almost like, think about what you would tell to a friend, because when you, when someone tells it to you, you are present, you're living the situation. So it's very, it's nearly impossible for you to get out of, of that situation or wrap your mind around what you should be doing. But when you tell a friend or someone that you care about, it's a lot easier because you're not experiencing it. So that is the approach that you should take. It should be, if you need to cut it point black, black right, right from the root, so be it. You know, when you make that decision, then stand behind that decision, no matter what the other person says, because in most cases, they're going to be wanting to say something that will create a trigger or get a response or, and, and, and I've, and I've, you know, been in that situation myself and I've tried helping friends as well. And it's always the same. It's, it's, you know, the other person is trying to get a response out of you, whether it's something positive, whether it's something negative, whether it's something really mean and very hurtful or something that is not even true. They're just trying to get that bait. They're trying to really, you know, lure you back in however possible. Right. And in this, in this case, you know, in my opinion, silence is your friend. That's your ally. It's very hard to keep, but, you know, coming from a standpoint point of reason and logic, if it doesn't add to your life, you should cut it from the root. Perfect. All right. Do you have anything else you'd want to touch on? Any positive messages for the week you want to leave for the people? Stay true to who you are, despite this situation of, uh, well, I mean, in Canada, we have the, the COVID restrictions a little bit more harsh. Um, you know, we've had talks with different clients this week, my wife and I, and it always comes down to reminding the client why it is that they started this. What is the reason why they're doing, whether it's just trying to get the lifestyle, uh, in check or getting in better shape, feeling better, or even competing. You have to remind yourself, what is the reason? Because it is, it is going to be more challenging to keep your mindset on track and to keep doing the things that are not glamorous, they're not fun, they're harder right now during the lockdown. So as long as you have the why very, very present and very, very clear, I think it will be easier for you to continue true to yourself, true to your plan, true to your goal. Sometimes you need a little bit of a reminder. Uh, It is right now, I think, where you need this structure and these habits the most, because in my opinion, the alternative of just saying, fuck it, and just letting go of this 
goal or this thing that you're doing for yourself, this is not where, where you should uh, stop. This is actually, on the other hand, uh, where you should continue to do it or even do it even better because um, if you do, then you're ahead of the curve. You're 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 on the other side, and it's in and your future self is definitely going to thank you. Finish what you started, right? Absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, with that being said, if you like the content that we produce, please like, share, subscribe. We are on Spotify and on YouTube. And uh, as always, overcome and become. Take care, everybody.